a man is speaking to his friend and says, for our 20th anniversary, I'm taking my wife to Australia. His friend said, that's going to be tough to beat. What will you do for your 25th anniversary? The first guy says, I'm going to go back and get her. Oh, everything is not as it appears on the surface. This is true of the account in Revelation 14, 14 through 20. Initially, it looks like there's going to be a great harvest to be reaped, and that is true. However, it is not a harvest of souls being saved, but a harvest of judgment. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 14, and as you're turning there, Here is the focus question for today. What awaits those who won't repent at the proclamation of the gospel? Here we go. Revelation 14. And let me pick it up in verse 14. Then I looked and behold a white cloud. And on the white cloud sat one like the son of man. Having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud voice to him, who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it to the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city, And blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. Would you bow your heads as I lead us in prayer? Father, we know judgment is coming. Even the Spirit of God convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. And the second coming of Jesus Christ will be amazing. Father, for those who choose to reject him, they will be reaped, but not as souls for salvation, but for judgment. Help us to understand the brevity of time and the need to share Christ with those who don't know him. Guide us in our study today, Lord. We long for you to lead us, to bless us, and to have your Holy Spirit turn on a light for us through illumination. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Reaper number one described, that's what we have in verses 14 through 16. As I begin in verse 14, these words should sound familiar because it was the same introduction as verse one. And I looked and behold. Now the two Greek words, kai adon, we've now seen for three times. Verse one, down in verse six, and here again in verse 14, introducing a new vision. But Back in verse 1, and also here in 14.14, we have the words, and behold. This is a dramatic vision. John sees a white cloud. Jesus, by the way, 
is described in the New Testament as coming on a cloud during his second coming. We see that from Matthew 24 and verse 30, 26 and 64. And I want you to turn with me to see this in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Jesus had died, conquered death, ministered to his disciples for 40 days, showing them that he's clearly the eternal son of God. But it's time for him to go to the right hand of the father and to sit down, showing that the work is complete. So in Acts chapter one, down in verse nine, after giving direction for evangelism, Luke writes, now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud, there's a word, cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So we have the cloud taking the son of man to heaven but also bringing him back for the second coming of jesus christ a white cloud and on the cloud sat one like the son of man the son of man uh, i'd like to point out to you that what we are studying is proleptic all of chapter 14 is it's given ahead of time the description here of the Son of Man on a cloud goes back to Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. When Jesus comes the second time, the second advent, the second coming, it is to put down his enemies and establish his millennial rule. We see the title here, which I think, though, is significant, Son of Man. So turn with me now to John chapter 5, and let's think about the description of Jesus as the Son of Man. The Hebrew construction, if you will, is he's the Son belonging to the category of man. See, he's also the Son of God. He's the Son who belongs to the category of deity but he is also fully man. He's the son belonging to the category of man. John chapter 5, uh, begin in verse 22, recalling that the entire gospel points to the deity of Jesus Christ. John chapter 5, verse 22. For the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to whom? To the son. Come down now to verse 26. For as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. So tying together Daniel 7, 13, John chapter 5, and may I even say Revelation chapter 1 in verse 13, because there we have the description of one like the Son of Man who is standing in the midst of the churches. Why? He is about to judge each one. Son of Man, think judgment in our context here. Having, uh, back here in chapter 14, having on his head a golden crown this is the stephanos the victor's crown 
When Jesus Christ comes back the second time, he will also wear the diadem, the kingly crown. But this shows him as the victorious one. Observe as well, and in his hand, a sharp sickle. The term sickle appears seven times in Revelation. Note this, all seven times in this chapter. It's only found one time outside of Revelation chapter 7. The idea here is that of judgment. Now I'd like you to go to the book of Joel. Book of Joel, way back in the Old Testament, the chapter 3. And as we pick it up in Joel chapter 3, beginning in verse 9, we have a description of Armageddon. Where at the end of the tribulation period, nations will gather to fight one another. We get this from Daniel chapter 11. And then they will turn on the Son of Man as he returns. So in Joel chapter 3, come down with me please to verse 9. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords. See, instruments for farming, now used for war. And your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble and come, all you nations, and gather together all around. See, it's the assembly of the nations Cause your mighty ones to go down there, O Lord. Let the nations be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Now notice the terminology in verse 13. Put in the sickle. For the harvest is ripe. Come, go down. For the wine press is full. The vats overflow. For their wickedness is great. What we have in Revelation 14, 14 with the description of the sharp sickle connects to Joel chapter 3 showing judgment at Armageddon. Now back here in chapter 14 in the book of Revelation, verse 15 says, and another angel came out of the temple. And by the way, this is one of the two major reasons that some commentators don't believe that Jesus is the one who's being described in 14.14. 14. Because you see the word here, another, alas, another the same kind. So people say, well, if you have another angel here in verse 15, it must point back to an angel in verse 14. And I'd say no, I believe that's incorrect. We have a clear description of Jesus Christ in the previous verse. The another angel points back to 14.9. There we had an angel. Notice here as well, as the angel comes out of the temple, and by the way, it's the temple in heaven. We'll see this in 14.17 with another angel. This angel is crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. The angel coming out of heaven cries out to Jesus who is sitting on the cloud. And here is the command. And by the way, a second reason I'll give you why people don't believe this is Jesus Christ, because the angel commands, thrust in your sickle and reap. The second reason 
because the angel commands the Son of Man, it can't be Jesus. But may I say to you, where did the angel just come from? He came from the temple in heaven. Could it be that he is doing his angelic duty? Angelos is your word for angel. It means messenger. Could it be that God the Father has dispatched this angel to tell Jesus Christ what to do in this setting? I think so. That is exactly what I believe is going on here. Uh, Walverd's assessment is helpful. It is remarkable that an angel should thus address the Son of Man, but it should be regarded as an entreaty of a holy angel to Christ as the Son of Man in his position as judge of men. The fact that the angel comes from the temple seems to allude to this judgment as proceeding from the righteousness of God. John continues, For the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. The word ripe here uh, is so fascinating. Used 16 times in the New Testament from the Greek, and often it is used of that which is dried or withered. Uh, in Matthew 21, 19, Jesus curses a fig tree. And what happens? It immediately withers up. Same term used in Mark chapter 3, verse 1, verse 3. There is a paralyzed man. In essence, he is a man with a withered hands hand Ryrie states it well in other words the inhabitants of the earth are withered lifeless and fully ripe for judgment now the eternal son of god is obedient to the heavenly command notice verse 16 so he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped the Son of Man will return the second time. Again, recall that this is proleptic. It's showing us what is going to happen in the future. And he's going to come and he's going to judge the inhabitants of the earth. Those who gather together at Armageddon, as we will see in detail in just a few moments. Verses 17 and 18 of chapter 14 give us Reaper number 2 and a description of him. Reaper number two described, verse 17. Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. Robert Thomas writes, this is the fifth in the series of angels, and like the fourth, he comes from the heavenly temple. You see, all these angels are doing the will of the Lord. Observe that this angel also is having a sharp sickle and you might be asking the question here what is the relationship of angels and the son of man when it comes to the second coming well in matthew 13 verses 41 and 42 the angels are dispatched to gather all the wicked so the angels are also used in conjunction with the second coming of jesus Christ. Verse 18 continues, and another angel 
came out from the altar. This is the golden altar of incense, not the brazen altar. There's no need of sacrifice in heaven. And observe that this angel has power over fire. Now, let me just give you some connections here. Let's go back for a moment to Revelation chapter 6, please. Revelation chapter 6. And in chapter 6, with the seal judgments, observe down in verse 9, this is the fifth seal. When he opened the fifth seal, that's the lamb opening the seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held, showing all those who will be martyred in the tribulation period, basically they're going to be crying out to God. Verse 10, and they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were, was completed. Chapter six, under the altar, those who had been martyred crying out, Lord, get them. You know what they've done. You know what the wicked have done. Judge them. Now spring forward to chapter eight. Chapter eight, Revelation, come down to verse three. Here dealing with the seventh seal. Then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. You see the altar again of incense. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints. Now get the connection to prayers. What's going on under the altar? The saints are praying that God would enact vengeance. So the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Verse 4. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the fifth angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it. Where? What was the direction? To the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and, and earthquake. What I want you to observe is that you had, way back in chapter 6, the martyrs crying out to the Lord, the God of vindication, to vindicate them. And then in chapter 8, we see the angelic toss, if you will. <laughs> Judgment to the earth once again. And here we see the reaping that will take place, the answered prayers now being received because there's action that is occurring from heaven itself in conjunction with the prayers of the saints. That's what we have here. And it, notice at the end here, as we're coming through verse 18, and he cried with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle. So what we have here to the angel of 1417 is a loud announcement. And here's what it says. Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth. Uh, the angel gives a two-part command, by the way, to the other angel. Number one is the word thrust. Uh, interesting, it's from the Greek verb pempo, which means to send. The same word occurred back in chapter 14 and verse 15, translated as well, 
thrust. So number one, thrust. Uh, and here it's in your sharp sickle. And in number two, the second command is gather. Gather the cluster of the vine of the earth. This is a gathering for judgment. Now a reason is given. For her grapes are fully ripe. Walford writes, here it pictures grapes fully grown in their prime, almost bursting with juice. In other words, they are ripe for judgment. They are ripe for judgment. Now, as we come down to our final two verses, 19 and 20, we have the results of the reaping. Verse 19, so the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great wine press of the wrath of God. Let me just take a moment and describe an ancient wine press. Uh, you had two bowls hewn out of rock. One was higher than the other and contained grapes. The grapes were crushed and flowed through a duct to a lower basin. But I want to point out that the individuals crushing the grapes would get stains on their feet and garments. That's significant for what we are about to study because come forward with me, please, to Revelation 19, 15. This is the passage dealing with the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. Look at 1915. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should strike the nation. See those gathered together fighting. And he himself will rule them with the rod of iron. He himself, observe the wording, everyone. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness, fierceness and wrath of all mighty God. Wow. Can you just take it all in for just a moment? You'll have those that have heard the witness of the 144,000, Revelation 7, and then the two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11, and then the angel flying through the sky, preaching the everlasting gospel in 14.6. They've hardened their hearts. They're now ripe for judgment. And this is what they are receiving. Verse 20 gives us a graphic description. And the wine press was trampled outside the city and blood came out of the wine press up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 Furlongs. Let me unpack this for you. The wine press was trampled outside the city. The city is Jerusalem. And now let me just show you how this all is going to work. Isaiah chapter 63. Let's go back there. When the nations of the earth assemble, as I mentioned previously, they will gather to fight one another. But when they see Christ coming back, they will turn on him, at least briefly, because that's all the time that they're going to have. 
when Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to start down in Basra, which is in Edom. And he's going to make his way north to Jerusalem. And he will literally touch down on the Mount of Olives. That's Zechariah 14, verse 4. But I want you to see that he starts down in the south. And let's look at this passage together and connect it with what we're seeing in Revelation 14. And again, we'll see it in chapter 19 of Revelation, verse 1. Isaiah 63. Who is this who comes from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? The one who is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your apparel red and your garments like one who treads in the winepress? I have trodden the winepress alone. And from the peoples, no one was with me. For I have trodden them in my anger and trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments. Isn't that Revelation 19, 15? That his vesture is dipped in blood, the blood of his enemies. And I have stained all my robes for the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. I looked, but there was no one to help, and I wondered, and there was no one to uphold. Therefore my own arm brought salvation for me, and my own fury, it sustained me. Wow. So he starts down in Basra, and he works his way north. Two-edged sword in his mouth. This description of a sickle in Revelation 14. Hacking his enemies to death. Amazing. Now, let's uh, go back to Revelation 14. And let me further unpack verse 20. And blood came out of the wine press up to the horse's bridles. The bridles would be the headgear by which a horse is governed. And which carries, by the way, the bit and reins. It would be approximately four to four and a half feet high. I want you to see that the blood from the wicked is splashed that high. And that's quite a height, but it's also quite a length for 1,600 furlongs, approximately 177 to 184 miles. And coincidentally, I think not. The distance approximately from Basra down in Edom to Megiddo. So what does await those who won't repent at the gospel being preached? Here's your main point. The unrepentant shall be reaped for judgment. This is sobering, everyone. The unrepentant shall be reaped for judgment judgment the time is coming when they continually harden their hearts they reject all the messages from the almighty and we know from first timothy 2 4 that god desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth that's the clear teaching of the scripture and yet these individuals after seeing the seal trumpet and bold judgment still harden their hearts as it says in proverbs 29 that they'll be suddenly broken and that without remedy 
Let's just take a moment and think about this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. To close out our study today. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We come back to the Thessalonian church. A persecuted church. But take heart. Those who persecute will be held accountable for their persecution. In 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 6, since it's a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation, that's affliction, those who trouble you. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with whom? His mighty angels. We saw that in chapter 14 of Revelation. In flaming fire, taking vengeance. Didn't we see a description of vengeance back in Isaiah 63? I believe it was verse 4. On those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints, and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. Yes, the unrepentant shall be reaped for judgment. In the interim, we need to imitate the 144,000, the two witnesses of Revelation 11, the angel preaching the everlasting gospel, and continue to teach people to preach that Jesus is the only way to God. The Son of Man, fully God, fully man, died for the sin of the world, conquered death. Ascended to the right hand of the Father, sat down because his work was complete. He'll come back for his church in the rapture to promise that we will not enter that period of trial. Revelation 3.10 but then, after seven years with him, we'll be following him according to Revelation 19, 14. And he will put down his enemies once and for all. So, you don't know Christ today. Believe on him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have right now everlasting life. Put your faith in the finished work of Christ. He became your substitute. He's the one who took your place. You deserve the wrath of God. You deserve eternal separation from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet the provision has been made for you to be delivered from the wrath to come. And for those of us who know him, let's imitate Christ in our lives and let's be fishers of men. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father. What a potent message. What a reminder of the judgment that is coming. Pray for those who don't know you hearing this message that they would come to faith today. That they would not put off the most important decision to believe on the finished work of Christ and to be born again. And for those of us who have the tremendous privilege to know you, may we be bold heralds in the midst of a wicked time. But we know we know the reward comes in the future, so help us to be faithful unto death or until the rapture, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.